Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about fighting the busyness monster. Ooh, I, I keep picturing the Tasmanian devil when we were talking about this. <laughs> that's a good one, a little tornado. Yeah, don't you think? Arr! Yes, and that's busyness monster, not the business monster. Two different things. Yes. Two different monsters. Uh, cool. Do you want to, this is sort of your baby, do you want to kick off this concept? Yeah, yeah. I was having a, 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 a Slack discussion with a client about kind of structuring time, and and this is someone who, but any stretch of the imagination is extremely successful. And they made a comment that just kept rolling around in my brain. I kind of couldn't let it go. And they said, um, you know, we'd had some back and forth. And and they said something uh, like this, that that's really helpful because, quote, I want to counteract the feeling that because I'm not booked, I'm failing. Mm-hmm. And... It just really hit me because it, so many people would love to be in this person's shoes. They're they're amazing. And so for even, you know, a fleeting moment for that person to feel that they're somehow failing because they're not booked at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not allowed to have free time. Yeah, no, can't can't have free time ever. Yep. And and so so many I, I've completely encountered this. I don't suffer from it, but I have encountered it many times. Um, I don't know if I told the story on the show. I know I've said before that 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 for this year I was trying to get down from like seven hours a week to four. I know I've told you this story. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, I did get down to four, and I had to bump it back up because I completely did. I started to disengage from the whole concept of the business because it just mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't happening enough. I didn't have enough phone calls, basically. So I was like. I need, it's fours too low. I need to have like maybe six or seven hours a week where I'm really focused on a phone call talking to someone. So I started booking more podcast interviews versus taking on more client work, um, which which when, whenever I've told that story to people either offline or online or something to that effect, they're like, it's not uncommon for people to be like, I could never not be working like all the time, all the mm-hmm. time. Yep. And I know it comes from a lot of places. I've researched it a little bit and gone down the rabbit hole. There are some heavy religious underpinnings for certain religions to, you know, idleness is a sin, I guess, Puritan work ethic. Uh, But there's also the hangover of hourly billing, which is if you're not busy, you are a failure because that's (laughs) the only way that you can make money. You have to be working for clients in order to make any money. So I think if, if only... As if those two things weren't big enough, I think there are other things as well. But those two things on their own is a major transition. It's a major mindset shift for anybody that's going from working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, hopefully, you know, 30 or 40 of them billable, and and then switching over to any kind of any kind of fixed pricing that's profitable, any kind. It could be value pricing or just, you know, pulling a number out of the air for a productized service, you know, cost plus, whatever. It doesn't matter. But mm-hmm doing fixed price stuff or forget about it with recurring income if you've got retainers or membership community or any kind of recurring month-to-month type of thing maybe you've got a a side hustle SaaS type of thing that starts to take off and the money just starts coming like into your account like Mm -hmm. you wake up and there's more money in your account and you're like (laughs) it takes some getting used to it does it does 
Yeah, and because we've been sold, at least in the U.S., we've been sold with this idea that if if you're not if you're not booked, right? If you're not booked, that you are failing. Like that, there's some time that you should be hustling to get more money, to get more revenue. It's, I mean, yeah, it's insidious. I mean, I think like when I was. Uh, doing M&A work, they would be big, long projects, like 12, 18 months, even 24 months on a couple and spinoffs. And, you know, I love doing it. It was so exciting. But when one would end and I'd kind of be on the bench, mm-hmm. I'd be like, ugh. Like, I, it just didn't feel good. Like, like, where's the where's the energy? Where's the excitement? I'm just sitting here. And yeah, you and, and that's when you're in a culture where that's what's celebrated. Like, if you're on the bench, you're one step away from being fired, right? That's the, that's the mindset. And I think, so when we live in that environment for X number of years, and then we leave that and go to, you know, consulting, coaching, you know, anything that is, you know, more more free, more freeing, more free. It's we take some of that attitude with us. So that empty time just feels wrong somehow. Yeah, that, that's another great example is like anybody who's fresh out of being employed, you know, like like having a job. Mm-hmm. You're not there's there aren't many jobs where you can just like sit there staring at the ceiling, like thinking big thoughts. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's like you, you know, hands on keyboard, please. What are you doing? Why aren't you? Oh, you weren't at your desk. You know, like, yeah. where right? were you when I counted noses at 7 p.m.? Right. Yeah. So that's that's all of these cultural expectations or norms or or whatever. You, I need to be you, I mean, if you're on this path, right, you do not have to be busy all the time. Yeah. Switching from selling your time or a button a seat over to, I mean, even just product, any kind of product is like, wow. And you get that. And, and sure, you maybe at the beginning, you do have to work your tail off because you have to figure out what's going to get you traction. It doesn't happen right away or the audience isn't big enough to support the the level of, I don't know, book sales or course sales that it's going to take to pay your mortgage or whatever. But once you get to that point, you've gotten to a, a level at which point doing more of what you've been doing, you know, the classic, like what got you here isn't going to get you there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you, get, you, you have time to pick your head up and look around and be like, okay, why am I, why am I so busy? Like, is this producing any meaningful results or do I just need this for my mental health? I just need to feel busy for my mental health. So I am literally coming up with busy work to do. Yeah. I think there's also somewhere buried in here as a control issue because I'm thinking of like B2B consultants who sell big projects and you know, you're, you, you've got a long-term weight to get these projects, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you you do them for a year or 18 months or two years. And so you're, you're always um, working on your leads, but you never know when one is going to drop in your lap exactly. And so that feeling of not being in control, I think, is challenging, especially if you're fairly new to consulting. Because like I'm just used to not being in control and consulting. It's just an illusion whenever I think I am, right? It's not really it's not really real. And so that I think there's that that plays with your head too. Yeah, if you've got like if you don't know where you're like you could be doing well, but if you don't have a uh, if you don't know where your next client is coming from, 
that's not a great feeling. Like if you, yeah. it's yeah. like, I mean, you could, I don't, I don't, I know we talked about it before the show. I don't know if we mentioned it here yet, but like the, the, the book, book yourself solid, like right in the title. I feel like that is like the launch, but that's the first step. So like, like people go solo and they're like, wow, getting business is really hard. And that's their first big challenge. Not for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's really common where, you know, maybe you get some help from your network and then like the second year or, you know, all of those projects finish and dry up and they don't need more work. And now you're like just out there, just another freelancer out there trying to hustle up a client. And so the first big phase is, is like getting yourself books out, like at least getting your pipeline full. So you're, you're, Mm -hmm. maybe you're doing only 20 hours of client work a week. You've got some time to do some marketing work on the business, Uh, but you, you've got things lined up. You've got leads coming in. You're saying no to them, but they're coming in and it's a steady pace and you're maybe putting them on a wait list or something, or you're setting start dates that are in the future and getting a deposit up front or something like that. It gives you a certain level of security it's some certainty predict you know, a little predictive nature of like okay uh, you know the client i'm currently working with is probably not my last client ever versus <laughs> right. what what you described where the projects are so huge and so long and the the sales cycles are so long that you're you're just constantly on in this like did I, have I just been getting lucky? Is the economy going to make some mm-hmm. kind of turn where I just can't land one of these monster clients six months from now when this thing wraps up? It's like you have to have a track record in that long enough so that you can take the long view and you know that you have enough cash banked from the other projects that you did that you can sit on the bench for a while and maybe Maybe emotionally it's challenging, but you're you're okay. You're going to be okay. You can feed your family. You can keep a roof over your head, you know, until the, you know, if it's six months till the next one comes or, you know, whatever the cycle is. Right. Another one, and this is male and female, the martyr thing where you can always do a little bit more. So you always do. Always do. Yeah. Like en- enough <laughs> is never enough. Even yep. if the client's like totally satisfied, you always need to do more. That's another one. I want to exceed client expectations at all times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we did a whole episode on that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, so there's like a whole bunch of these things that can, can cause someone to just be busy all the time, just like a monster, just eating their time. So like, what are some of the mindset stuff, what is mindset things that you found to be successful? Well, you know, for me, with clients especially, the, the most important thing is to have some kind of a structure and how structured it is really depends on the person. Like, Jonathan, you work well with less structure. I work better with what I would call medium structure. Other people do better with lots and lots of structure. But you need some structure around this, especially if you've gone from having you know a job job to starting your business. And so I like to think about it as you, know, you start with having some kind of a system for generating your leads. And... That system is going to look very different depending on who you're trying to attract and what you're selling. It could be um, totally authority based, where you're putting out information in a in a one to many. It could be that you're having one to one that you're initiating, i.e., outbound selling, one to one calls, conversations with people that you are doing, you know, networking in quotes, which is you know moving amongst the people that are in your in your niche. So it's finding that that 
um, I don't even want to call it the minimum amount because when you're first starting, it's probably more than minimum. But at some point, you want to find that that balance of how much of that you need to do on a regular basis. And to me, that's that becomes your system. And so you work the system. Yep. And that could take a little time or it could take a lot of time. Right. So so some clarity I want to shine on that. It's it's tempting to copy other people's systems, like their tactics, mm. and say like, oh, this worked for Gary V, so that's what I'm going to do. And maybe that'll work, but not necessarily because, but in fact, maybe probably not in that specific example, because you probably don't have a team of 40 people. You probably don't have a million people following you on Instagram. You probably don't have, you know, a whole bunch of things where his current tactics are just not appropriate for where you're at, just to use one weird Mm -hmm. random example. So copying tactics in a vacuum is like the path to failure. That you just, without a style, I know I always come back to this, but it's like you got to decide what your objective is and then pick a strategy and then put together a system or tactics. Like it's the stuff that you do on a regular basis. Maybe it's every, some things every day, maybe some things are every week, maybe some things are every month. But you don't just randomly pull those from some article you read on, you know, Farnham Street. You, you like, you've gotten to this point where you are busy with work, probably. And you're like, okay, how do I, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm exceeded my financial goals for this year. Let's say, uh, what do I want? Like, do I want to work less? Am I, mm-hmm. am I complaining to people about how busy I am or do I actually like, it? like, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe right. there's, you know, maybe you are single and whatever, you know, you don't have kids and dogs and other responsibilities. It's like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to say everybody needs to only work 10 hours a week or whatever, but if you're like, if you're complaining about how busy you are, then that's a sign that you don't want to be that busy. Complaining versus bragging. There's a difference. Yeah, I was tempted to go there, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm so important that I am in demand. I'm so well, good. And it's I'm not even, demand. I'm not even saying it's intentional necessarily, but it, it becomes, and I did this when I was in the big firm. I absolutely did this. It was a badge of honor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not even going to make a judgment on that. Like, if you love being busy and you're not complaining, you yeah, love it. Not unhappy. Then do it. Fine. But this is. But I know lots of people who have created a job that they hate for themselves. Yeah. Like to the to the point where they're like, "Why am I?" It would be just so much easier to go back to my old job. You mm-hmm. know, it'd be less work. It'd be similar money. I wouldn't have to worry about any of this marketing garbage. I just sit there and work will show up on my desk on Monday and I'll just do it and go home. And like if, you know, but they're not thinking about that as like a good thing. It's like a defeat, a failure, right? It's like I'm working way too much. I'm missing my kids growing up or whatever. If that's where you're at, then it's it's like, okay, what's how much is enough? What's the goal that's, here? Wait, let's go back to that word because I, I wrote that down here and underlined it like 10 times because that's <laughs> what I'm hearing in everything you said is because we all have a, a different version of enough, but some people don't have any version. Like there's like there's it's never enough is their version, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a long phase at the beginning where you're not getting enough. Exactly. Always. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And but there comes a point in the evolution of a successful business where you provided you know it's it's there is an enough definition that isn't there never is enough um you will hit it and right. it sometimes it's like hitting a brick wall because you're like what what 
wait, 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 what? what? I, I have this. I have this money in the bank. I'm paying for this. My business is successful. And I'm not working 60 hours a week. I mean, that can feel really strange. Yeah. And so people that are listening that aren't there yet, just take heart, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You'll get there. When you get there, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you won the race, like or this leg of the race. So stop running for a second and decide what race you want to run next. You know, it's, it's like, you don't know you're done. It's like the, the dog caught the car. <laughs> now what? <laughs> they just keep barking at it. Like there's no, so, you know, you get to a phase at a certain point where you're like, all right, it's pretty important. Uh, well, honestly, guess what it comes back to? It gets to a point where you have to start saying no to things. So, yeah. And, yeah. and you have to decide strategically what are the right things to say no to. And that depends on your strategy, which depends on your objective. So you got to figure that stuff out. And then you're like, all right, here's the stuff I'm going to say no to because this is enough. And this is, this is a long way back to your systems comment, which I also underlined 10 times, is that once you're clear on your next leg of the race, the next race you're going to run, the next thing you're going to focus on in terms of the phase of your business. Now, I'm not saying pivot. I'm just saying like, okay, I'm mm -hmm. going to start to right. do things differently for because stuff's working and you reevaluate and then you put systems in place that you have reason to believe are going to lead to that. And then you just work your systems. Yep. And that for me, that's the feeling that that's, that's what keeps me from feeling anxiety of like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I'm going to lose my house, right? That thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to lose everything. And it's like the, the thing that keeps that feeling at bay is working the system every day. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not incidentally, creating a system that you actually like, that's, that, you know, you, want it, you don't want it to be torture. So you come up with a way where the system is, is like enjoyable or easy or not killing you. And you just work the system and it will continue to produce results like the gardening metaphor. Yeah, and I think the challenge sometimes for, for certain kinds of personalities is that working the system feels boring. You know, it's like, oh, every day is the same. I mean, it isn't when you, or it doesn't have to be, I should put it that way. It doesn't have to be when you figure it out. Um, but there, sometimes you have to resist the inclination to blow up the system when it's working, but you just aren't busy enough, <laughs> right? No, that's that there's. Idea. Yeah, there's there's a process and and you know, it's hard to know where you are in that when you're in the middle of it, but I think that's the other key is really to know yourself and know how you work best and create those systems and structure around that. Mhm. Mm what but what did you mean so I like I know I know what you're saying in terms of like the system being boring, but what did you mean like blow it up just be you just like, "Oh, I'm Oh, well, an example would be, uh, okay, so my system means I'm going to, I'm going to call a new person every day. And, and then when I say call, I mean, I'm going to set up an appointment and I'm going to have a call. So in order to get five calls, maybe I have to reach out, um, to 50 people. And after a while you're like, oh, God, this is the same thing every single day. Um, but but guess what? You're getting the 10 call or the five calls and maybe you're selling, you know, one of those five because, again, you're instigating this. They're not coming to you. So your hit rate's probably a lot lower. And then you just get to the point where just as you're starting to get traction, you blow it up, right? <laughs> I, I'm sure you've, you've either done this yourself or experienced it. I've yeah, seen it a lot. Yeah, you rip out the garden. Yeah, I've done it myself a couple times. I'm like, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's what I did when uh, when I was consulting. When I was 
you know, my best years, my system, and I just didn't realize it. I was, I didn't, it wasn't conscious. I was just copying my previous boss. I was like speaking and writing books. And then I've told this story before for sure. And, and then, I don't know, it was after Maggie was born, I was like, I didn't want to be flying around anymore. And I was totally sick of writing books on the subject. So I just, I was like, oh, stopped. I get, you know, it, and it didn't, it didn't, uh, it never occurred to me that I would stop getting leads because I stopped doing that stuff. It never even crossed mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank God I had retainer type engagements that were long-term ongoing month to month types of things. But I, I remember thinking, I don't know when it was, but I remember noticing one day, like I used to get leads all the time and I can't remember the last time I got one. Yeah. Like, I used to get so many leads not like hundreds, but I, you know, they were all big. So I would get so many leads that I wouldn't even get back to someone. I'd be like, yeah, maybe we could set up a call or whatever. <laughs> and I'd, forget, I'd forget. I had no systems. I, the only It wasn't really a conscious system. I was just like, when I first started, I was like, I know I need to speak and write books. Like I just, it, and I, so I did that and it worked. Uh, and then I stopped doing it and it stopped, stopped doing it and it stopped working. Um, and, I, and why did I blow it up? Because I had gotten to a point where uh, I was c- comfortable with the amount of work and leads I was getting and didn't realize that it was going to go down. But I was comfortable with, with that. I was comfortable with the income and lifestyle change. Now I have two kids. And that was like leaving two kids against one parent seemed dramatically worse than leaving one kid with one parent so that was just like feeling mm-hmm. guiltier about flying around all the time so combination of lifestyle change and and like naive naivete that that or just it was more ignorance that i didn't have you know that i didn't have a i didn't think i had a system i was like i made it i'm famous i don't need to do anything anymore I, right i don't need, I don't need <laughs> right. a system <laughs> right but that isn't to say so long story short long story longer that isn't to say that your system shouldn't be changing all the time. So it can still, I don't know about, it's probably, I don't know if this is going to be true for most people, but I have fun working on the systems. So like, that's part of my fun. That's and you. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was just saying that because I don't enjoy it. I do it because I must, but yeah, it's not part of the fun for me. I, I talk to so many people who are from the software space. So it's probably, that skews my you know, so I'm, I'm like, uh, I've got a skewed audience, I suppose, but they love, they usually love working on the, their clients' business problems. And I'm like, but guess what? Now you get to work on your business's business problems. And it's so much more fun than working on your client's business problems. And a lot of times with, a with, uh, I'm trying to think, if it's this is actually true or if it's just a gut instinct, but I feel like a lot of my sort of software people who are into consulting now can create and can have a lot of fun creating automations for their own business. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's just us wackos. But you don't you don't enjoy um, it. But systems don't have to be software, of course. It could just right. be a checklist or a calendar or you know. You I don't... like making things organized. Okay. And maybe that's the same thing. It's the word system tends to bother me, but the but I use it a lot. I mean, I use that word a lot because I, I, the clients I talk to, I, I do believe it's part of my core belief system is that it's really helpful to have a system, and you know how detailed it is. You know, varies with the person and the business and what they want to do and where they're starting. Um, you know, I was thinking about this as you were as you were talking, because 
I feel like I made my career on a system, my my big firm consulting career on a system. And the culture of the firm was all about the billable hour. And I consciously did not maximize my billable hours. I met the minimum, but so that I could invest my time in what turned out to be a system. And I didn't think of it that way at at the time. It was just how I wanted to work, where I was investing time with clients that wasn't paid. I Mm. was investing time in getting to know them, in building relationships. And some years we were heavily, bonus was a big part of our compensation. There there was one year I remember I didn't get a bonus, which really kind of ticked me off. But I understood it because my billable hours were low. My sales weren't that high that year. But I made two huge investments. And the next year, I had multiple million dollars underneath my belt. Not paid to me, but in terms of my client revenue. Mm. And everybody was like, well, how'd you do that? Oh, come on. You know, like, what would you do? Like, you kissed up to somebody, right? <laughs> it's like, no, I've been working this system for the last five years and I worked it no matter what. Hey, you made a lot more money than I did last year because you gamed the system. This right. was mine. The short-term so, system. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, the important thing when you think about, especially being a soloist, is... When, once you figure out that system, and it will change over time because what you do will change and the phase of your business will change. But once you figure out that system and you work it, you start to feel um, in control. You have a plan. You can tell when things are working. It's harder when it's outbound sales sometimes to tell when it's working. But if you're getting people reacting to your stuff and agreeing to meetings, chances are it's working. Signs of traction. Yeah, so I don't want to. I don't want to say, oh, you know, I, I hate systems. I don't hate systems. I use them. I think they're really important. It's not the most important thing for me. I, I get my jollies when I see somebody get something right, and somebody like gets a big client, like one of my clients gets a big client assignment or does an amazing pivot or finds a new source of revenue. I mean, that's th- those are my jollies. Oh yeah, definitely. Me too. Like if I had to pick you know, dorking around with my automations or like somebody doubling their revenue or their income. I definitely pick the latter. But uh, just, yeah, so maybe it's overstating to say that it would be fun to, to work on the systems that run your business. But even if it's not, I don't think it needs to be boring either because as you're working the system, presumably you're going to be getting some kind of feedback about which things are producing some kind of results Mm -hmm. or getting some kind of traction. And then you can just like remove the stuff that doesn't seem to be working. You know, you don't have to blow the whole thing up, but as the, as you're, I don't know, running your, your SOP for something, be like, ah, you know what? Like I do, I, I thought I might need to do all of this stuff. I wonder if it's actually producing any value for the, the, the community. And, and you just go find out like, done. no one's listening to the podcast. I can just, you know, the, the, the private podcast feed for my uh, group coaching. So I'll just stop doing it, right? It's If it's not producing any value, but having everything documented and that just one kind of system, just written down is the beginning, right? Document the system. Yeah. Document yeah, the like, steps like, you're going to do. I, I have to do this. I just have to do this. Like show notes. So if anybody <laughs> wants to let us know that they want show notes or they've never looked at them once, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it's a great example. I have gotten feedback from people that they do like that. But um, but for Ditching Hourly, unless I have a guest, the only time I put show notes on Ditching Hourly is if there's a guest and I you know I want to like give a little bit of a 
tiny bio and like link to their stuff. So they, they always mm-hmm. they always like to get links. So, you know, yeah, I do that. But it is minimal for most episodes. I don't put. Yeah, there's like yeah, I, a big piece of like my five day podcast challenge. The a big piece of it, the very I think is the very first slide in the first lesson is here's a list of 40 things you don't need to do that everybody tells you you need to do. <laughs> right. And is it, music on there? Oh, yeah. Music, yep. ID3 tags, uh, tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, episode artwork. I know we do it, but, you know, it's like whatever for me. And it's like it, it, here's a list of it might not be 40 things, but it's a long list. It's like two full columns on a slide. And it's like, you don't need to do any of these things. If you want to add them later, you can. You can even go back retroactively if you think it's really important. Everyone's complaining that you don't have ID3 tags on your MP3s, right? Like, do you even know what that is? (laughs) No, but everyone tells you you have to do it. And it's like, okay, do I really? Anyway, so so yeah, just cutting stuff out is part of the system. So so getting bored of the system, this is all, this is all me soapboxing about getting bored of the system. It's like, it's like, don't, that's a myth. Like you, I don't think you will get bored of the system. If you're bored of it, just change it a little bit. Don't destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just narrow down on the stuff that you dig or that seems to be working or that is just so easy. You'd be a fool not to do it. And, uh, I don't know, make a game out of it. Like I've got streaks. I have my, like I track my streaks and like, I haven't missed a day and you know, a thousand days or whatever. Um, there's lots of ways to not get bored of it. Um, and, and, you know, our, our favorite quote, you know, you know, what's not boring getting rich. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, I, I can't help but think of, um, you know, Ramit Sethi, uh, wrote a book quite a long time ago called, I will teach you to be rich, but he has this core system that really kind of applies here and it applies to money but it can also apply to your business. And this idea is that first you define your rich life. Like, what does that look like? And so especially as a soloist, well, actually forget it, as a business owner, what does that rich life look like? And then Ramit's approach would be, okay, so what you do is you skinny down everything that doesn't add value to your rich life. And then you spend outrageously on the things that contribute to it. Um, Understanding that there's a core system where you're saving and investing for the future. And his approach is once you are doing that, once you don't have debt and you're saving for this investing for these things and you've earmarked the money you need for your future rich life, then with what's left, and there's always some left, right, then that's what you can use now guilt-free to enjoy your rich life. And it's if you apply that metaphor to what we're talking about here is what is it that you really want to create with your business? Not just, and we've talked ad nauseum probably about what it is you're trying to create in the world and the change you want to see. That's really important. But so are you. So is what you want out of this life and this business. And when you define that, and then start to work your way into what's the structure that I need in order to get there. Maybe your structure looks a little different now than it'll look a year or two from now, right? But you do that with your eye on the big prize. Yeah, being happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a sense of fulfillment. Yeah, you know? and, and, and happy looks different to different people. So it's like, get really clear. Right. Yeah, and to bring it back 
to busyness. If busyness isn't making you happy, then you know you know what monster you need to slay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's like what I don't know. I don't know. I like I said. I don't. I don't. This is. I have. I suppose I've got my own monsters to slay, but feeling the need to be busy all the time is not one of them. But I did find it interesting that there is, I do have a floor. I have a a threshold at the bottom where I was just like, ooh, I'm not busy enough. Like I need to get a little busier. I like the intellectual stimulation of being busy, but it doesn't always have to be on the same thing. So, well, let's talk some more because that was about structure. But I think another thing that's really helpful is when you build yourself a rat pack. Right. And and some of those people, like when I talk about Rat Pack in my book, I really talk about who are people who are going to understand your business. Um, But maybe there's you have a couple people in your circle who don't understand your business, which is great because they're going to push you in the other direction. The person who's going to ask you to lunch on a Tuesday. Right. Or say, oh, let's go to this concert. And you're like, I should work. Like, No, let's go. So having this group of people who understand you and support you and kind of help you look at this in a way that's healthy for you, right? Based on what you want. I just think it's really helpful not to reside in your own head all the time. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Like, like, is the, this is scary. So what if the, the busyness monster, what if you're letting the business monster into your life because you don't even know what you would do if you weren't that busy. Yeah. Yep. That's very common. Uh, um, it never occurred to me until you're just saying like, you know, the Rat Pack thing. It's like, yeah, that's probably true. Like, like if you're that busy, your social life is probably pretty lean <laughs> to say mm-hmm. the least, right? Like yeah. Yeah. what would you even do with the free time? And that was, uh, you know, just not to keep bringing it back to this, but like that was part of the thing I noticed when I really cut my hours down to like four hours a week. I was like, I don't actually have enough uh, other diversions to fill the time. Like I could only, you know, I've got some hobbies and stuff and kids, obviously. It's like you can only walk the dogs and like play guitar so much. Well, I'm laughing because I can hear every parent in the universe listening going, are you kidding me? (laughs) There's always something else to do with kids, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Especially when they're home all the time, like ours. So uh, it's weird. I'm I'm very conscious right now of my age, right? And my situation, like where where it's like, okay, I've got two dogs, two kids, uh, you know, so on and so forth, and all of the things that come with that. And, uh, And also... I'm not trying, I'm like so beyond the point of trying to impress anybody. I couldn't care less about that stuff. There's maybe like three people in my life who I would like even give a crap what their opinion was of me, you know, like, <laughs> like really close people. And probably I only care about their opinion about certain aspects. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. like maybe it's easier for somebody with like a lot of gray hair to say how much is enough or I, you know, I don't need to impress anybody or I could work twice as much and maybe make almost twice as much. I, I think there'd be some diminishing returns. But like if you, it just gets back to that enough thing, you know, it's like what, what does that rich life look like? Look like what is enough? What do you actually care about? And do you have it? And, and is the desire to stay busy masking, uh, something you need to think about 
right? Like, like yeah. it's like, wow, what's the whole, why did I start this business? Why did I want to go out on my own? You know, did I just not want to have a boss telling me what to do? Am I a control freak? That was me pretty much. So it's like, and then it's like, all right, well, <laughs> what if it works? What if, what if, you know, is there, is there a, a next stage? Like what's the next stage? What, how would you spend your time and your life if the business monster has been slain? Yes. Damn. That literally is just yeah. it never, this never occurred to me until like right now when we're talking that people might be busy because they just have no idea what else they would do. Yes. Oh, it's very That's common. Terrifying. And it's so common. I have a client who's created something just for high achieving, in this case, it's men, but high achieving men who are thinking about retirement and what's next. And yeah, people are and women too. It's not it's not a, a gender specific thing. It's that um, to really think about what you do when the work is behind you. So when you get to a certain age, you start to think about that. But before that, we're in this acquisition phase. Um, we're acquiring spouses or partners and children. And, and then it's like, oh, well, I, if I'm a good mom or dad, then I need to think about how I'm going to get them to school, to, to the college they want to go to. So i got to save money for that. And I have to have a, a, a house in a neighborhood that has a good enough public school. Or, you know, so you, you think about all those things. So there's this big acquisition time. And it's just sort of, it's easy if you let it for that to overtake everything else and you know sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't sometimes people say you know what I know what's important these are my values and I'm going to structure my business or my employment around those values and yeah but it's it is it's a it's a yeah I think it's an it's an existential sort of midlife I don't know what we define midlife as anymore but a kind of a midlife thing that you start to look at whenever you hit this phase is midlife it's like yeah even if you're 25 when you get to that point where you're like wait what do i want yeah that's yeah. that's your midlife crisis right it doesn't yeah. matter how old you are it's like oh i can come up for air yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's easy to start over or you are forced to start over. Yeah. That's and, uh, brutal. yeah. And other times it just requires a huge change from inertia. Mm. Well, that's why, I mean, we've talked about this periodically, you know, like how usually, you know, around early January, it's like, okay, what's it going to be this year? Like, what's the, mm -hmm. you know, pick your nose up from the grindstone of your systems, your daily, you know, for me, it's like, I've got these daily systems and sometimes it feels like groundhog day. I'm like, what day is this? Like, I just keep <laughs> living the same day over and again, over and over again. But, you know, but not all the time, you know, sometimes that happens, but usually not. But then, you know, periodically, maybe quarterly, you know, maybe, maybe once a year, you're like, or like right before the busy season, like in September, you could say like, all right, like what's working, what's not working, mm -hmm. what am I enjoying, what am I not enjoying? Uh, is this, am I still, ha you know, happy with the overall objective? Is this, you know, like me wanting to get down to four hours and being like, this is actually, I thought I wanted this, but I really don't. And and tweaking it, not completely pivoting or throwing out, it's just like, well, I'll just bump it up to six or seven. Back, that was, I was actually at my optimal. I went past my optimal. So, okay you know, tweak it and say like, all right, now do, does this, is this going to have a trickle down effect on the systems or the tactics that I do every day? Like what, what is the shift, tactical shift that needs to take place here? So yeah, you, I mean, I think if you, I think if you do that, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I guess 
I just assume that doing that on you know a basis that's more regular than once a decade <laughs> would would help you not get into the the really existential crisis level and just be like wow you know I just got fired from a job that I thought I was going to retire from after being there for 15 20 years and I'm like I don't even know like your identity gets erased almost it's like yes not almost uh, yeah for a lot of people yeah. it does but yeah I think the the gift of having a business like ours and those who are listening to this is that we have to reinvent ourselves because at some point, chances are the system, your approach doesn't work. For whatever reason, it stops working. There is a sea change in the economy or how your thing is addressed or the technology that you've been immersed in. You know, those things happen. It's harder or well, it's it it's harder to to come to a surprise when you're in these kinds of businesses because you're usually noticing something. If you're paying attention, you're noticing something's changing. Maybe the projects aren't as easy to get or it's more competitive. It used to be easier, but now my competitors have also figured out how to do this so maybe I need to pivot a little bit this way or you know we have a pandemic and um, (laughs) gee my restaurant consulting business is not going to be doing so well for the next couple of years right so yeah it's 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 a it's a gift really I, I know we don't always think about it that way but it's a gift that things change like that because we have the opportunity to change before it really takes effect and that's I just think that's harder to see when you're inside, you know, an organization and you're some kind of a cog in the wheel. Right. Yeah. I, and there's a there's a flip side to it where I've talked to people who are like, you know, self-employed and they're like they're looking for a way to dial it in permanently. Like mm. like yeah. they think they're going to be done at some point. And in general you're not you mm-hmm. you, you probably never it, that's that's I feel like that's reserved in the authority space. That's reserved for the people who have like a forty-year bestseller. That or so, you know, it's like, and then still that person's not going to just do nothing, right? Like oh, like Charles Green, we've had him on the show. I mean, he could just sit there and he would still be successful, but he doesn't. Yeah. You know, he's he updated the book. He's talking on podcasts. He's giving speeches. He's running a business. Yeah, right. yeah. Like so, there's I think. I've definitely come across that and I've, and I've, I've, you know, just basically it's resting on your laurels. It's like, oh, I've got this dialed in, you know, like, oh, yeah. right. And then, and then that's the first hint of downfall. Right. I, I think the thing I'm trying to, I'm doing a bad job trying to get at is that it's a good thing that you're never done. Like, that's good. That's the right. thing that will keep you from getting bored of your system. So it's like you're not because it's never going to be done. You can just like play with it and tweak it and refine it, make it more effective, not necessarily more efficient. I mean, although that can also be there, but you want it needs to be effective at producing the results that you want. And then once that's true, then you can make it more efficient. But if it's not effective, making it more efficient is is pointless. But anyway, that's a side point. But yeah, you're you're never it's just going to evolve. And so you don't want it, mm-hmm. you don't want like an asteroid level event to force you to evolve once every 15 years. You know, it's like be making these quarterly, biannually, annual check-ins. Uh, yeah. This also goes to your Rat Pack idea where they, they're going to challenge you and ask you questions and be like, huh, you seem, you seem happy or not happy or, you know, what's going on? You know, that all of that stuff, I think, yeah, it's interesting. It keeps, I mean, it'll keep you evolving and keep you kind of safe in the system. But 
I, I am just so hooked on that, like that thing where you don't even know what you would do if you weren't busy. Like that is just really hit me like a mm-hmm. ton of bricks. Yeah. Yeah. How do you figure that? I mean, this is probably a subject for another show. It's like, how do you figure out what you like? <laughs> That's the craziest question. But yeah, yep. like. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. <laughs> that's wild. Maybe maybe yeah. that'll be another show. How to figure out what you like. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I, I want to add one more level of detail to this that maybe we haven't, we sort of skirted around it. And I think that um, in in terms of fighting the, the busyness monster is that when we set up some kinds of rewards for ourselves that are not around being busy, I think that's really helpful. It's like you sort of define what your treats are, right? So is your treat, I don't know, going out, taking your kids out for an ice cream cone in the middle of the day? Is your treat, you know, the big trip that you've wanted for your whole life, you know, your bucket list? You know, it could be something as simple as an ice cream to something as complex as a, you know, around the world trip in 80 days. Um, or, you know, maybe it's a rehab project on your house or, you know, or it's some kind of a hobby that you do and you say, all right, if, you know, uh, I'm just going to fit this into my life or I'm going to reward myself with the fact that this part of my business took off with spending some me time over here. Sometimes that really helps people to have that direct line of sight connection between letting go of some busy work and yeah. or something related to work and something that is pure pleasure. Yep. Yeah, I know a lot of people that for whom that is a good approach. I'm not one of them, but <laughs> uh, but I but the thing that the thing that I, I kind of thought you were going to say, and I guess it's related to systems, is the the I don't know if I don't know if this is on topic or not, but it's something something about this is reminding me of James Clare's advice in Atomic Habits about decreasing just just doing the tiniest little things to increase the odds that you're going to do the things that are good for you and decrease the odds you're going to do the things that are bad for you that you know are bad for you. You know, like it's stupid, like keep Oh, you want to eat more apples? Keep them on the counter instead of in the refrigerator. And you're just automatically going to eat more apples. I don't know what about this conversation made me think of that, but it's like there's something there. It's the line of sight. So you have something in your business and you have what you view the reward as and what you just described is like what you put in the path to help make it easier. Right. To get that. Yeah. Yes. Like having your running shoes like right next to you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so I guess it does work on me. That's, I just like smaller ones, I, you know, just very small. Well, you, you probably know what it is that gives you joy. And so it's like, okay, so maybe I have to kick myself in the butt here and there to like get in the car and go to karate when, you know, my body's hurting and I'd rather <laughs> like lay in bed and read a book, right? But you know what it is. Not everybody knows that yet. Right, They're still right. kind of figuring it out or they kind of know it in big picture. They're like, I want to spend more time with my family, but they haven't created like, what does that look like specifically? Right. That I'm going to drive my kids to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drive them to school. Am I going to take them on a vacation? Like, what does it look like? And Mm -hmm. yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever gives you joy. Yeah. Next week, how to figure out what gives you joy. (laughs) We're going to have Marie Kondo on. (laughs) Really, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, no kidding. I don't think she speaks English, but hey. She has a translator that works with her. So, Got it. yeah. 
I'm sure she is just waiting for us to call her and invite her. So, yeah, I'm sure. She's probably mad. Like, what? Was sitting by the phone. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah. I like that visual. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, uh, all right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.